Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. Last week was the first week of our new series uh, where we took a look at uh, spiritual health checks. And uh, just want to make sure each of us, how we're doing, uh, how well we're doing, and just, uh, just make sure that we're on the right uh, page uh, and thinking about, all right, what does it mean to be healthy spiritually? How do I know if I'm healthy spiritually? And last week, we took a look at the hunger of God. That's the first check in evaluating our spiritual health. Do you hunger for the Lord? And do you hunger for the things of God and the working of God? And I hope that you do. I hope that you're hungry for these things. But what if we don't? I know I should be hungry for the Lord, but what if I'm not hungry for the Lord? Can we develop that? Well, uh, just taking a look at some of the verses that we did last week, it begins with a need that we have for the Lord. Uh, John chapter 15, verse number 5 says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, Jesus is saying, without Jesus, ye can do how much? Nothing. That is the mentality that drives us to the Lord. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 1, He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. That phrase there, all things consist, means things are held by the Lord, by Jesus Christ. Literally, without the Lord, everything would fall apart. The world would fall apart, our bodies would fall apart, our lives would fall apart. It is by the Lord that all things consist. And we need to remember that we need the Lord. Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel learned this lesson. And uh, he's writing chapter number four. And he's writing about an experience that he had, an event in his life. And uh, he's the king and he's proud of his kingdom. But he has a dream. And uh, there's a mighty tree. It grows big and tall and strong. So much so that the ends of the world could see this tree. It was magnificent and it was glorious. And then there is one that comes and he cuts down the tree and proclaims that his heart will be turned to the heart of a beast. And so he goes to all of his advisors and says, all right, what what does this mean? And nobody could tell him what it means until Daniel comes and gives him the interpretation of the dream. And he gives him the interpretation and he says, oh, this is not a good dream. You know, this is what's going to happen. And uh, so, well, Nebuchadnezzar forgets the dream and the meaning of the dream. And uh, the dream was meant to warn him to be humble. But then he says, you know, a year later, wow, look at my kingdom and look how great I am and the honor and the power and the majesty that are in my hand. And and God says the prophecy that was given to you now it will it will happen. And so he was, uh, his reasoning and his mind and his understanding were taken away from him and he lived like an animal until the end of the days when Nebuchadnezzar had his reasoning returned to him and he says, he lifted up his eyes unto heaven and my understanding returned unto me. And he recognized, you know what? Even my mind and my reasoning are here because God gave it to me and God has kept it for me. And it's a great lesson that we all need God, whether we recognize it or not. We need God, 
every single day. And that recognition draws us to God. When we recognize, I need God, it will drive you to hunger for him. Because God, I need you. Where are you? You look for God, you wait for God, and you trust in the Lord. Today, we're going to take a look at the second check, and it kind of, you know, pairs with this hunger for God. What does it mean to be hungry for God? Well, as we'll see, to hunger for God is to hunger for his word. John chapter 1, verse number 1 says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. To hunger for God is to hunger for his word. They are synonymous. To be hungry for the Bible is to be hungry for God. They may as well mean the same thing because God is the word and the word is God. And God makes a comparison of God's word to bread. In Matthew chapter 4, verse number 4, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Job said in Job 23, Neither have I gone back from the commandment of my lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. You see the heart and the attitude of these men of God. You see the heart of Jesus Christ and the priority that he places upon the word. And if we will be spiritually healthy, as we saw last week, we should check our appetites, our hunger for the Lord, this week we're going to see to be healthy we must check our diet we must check our diet and of course you know physically speaking we all know about our diets and you know about things that we should do we should cut back on sugar we should cut back on some salt maybe cut back on carbs eat more fruits and veggies and and uh, eat fewer snacks and probably drink more water you know my wife always makes fun of me because i always say you should drink more water you know and anytime there's a problem my first uh, question is have you had enough water today you know and uh, you know if you're feeling a little tired you should drink more water. If you have a headache, you should drink more water. If your skin is a little dry, you know, people put lotion on. No, drink more water, you know, and, uh, you know, that's what I think. And uh, that'll, that, that's good for you. But you can't be healthy without checking your diet. And not just your physical health, but your spiritual health as well. Because a lack of spiritual nutrition leads to weak, malnourished children of God. So we need to check our diet. What is our intake here? Our spiritual diet. And of course, speaking of our spiritual diet, we're taking a look at the Word of God. The diet of the Word of God. So uh, if I could put it this way, let's take a look at three dietary recommendations from the word of God. So the first regards the seeking of God's word. In verse number two, we read this verse, 1 Peter chapter two, verse number two, it says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. Notice the word in front of milk, which is sincere. So the milk is the word and the sincere milk of the word. That word sincere means pure. Praise the Lord, first of all, that we have the pure word of God. Amen. 
And we have the pure word of God and you have it in your hands and you can read it and you can intake of it and it will help you, it will strengthen you, it will benefit you. And that hunger ought to drive you towards the word of God. And it's important that our diet includes the pure word of God. It's important as believers that we not just hear other people talk about the Bible or that we read books that include parts of the Bible, but that we get right to the source and get the pure, sincere word of God. Grab your Bible, open it, read it, drink it up, be strengthened by it, get to the word of God. That's important. It's important that we get to it. I love reading books about the Bible. I listen to podcasts of people preaching uh, on the Bible. I love seeing people who are living out the Bible, but there's no substitute for getting into the Bible and reading it and absorbing it into your life. Get alone with God and his word and be strengthened by the milk of the word. You know, the comparison here could be easily, you know, uh, I, I love my wife. She's sitting there in the back. I love talking about my wife. I love looking at pictures of my wife. I love seeing what my wife does for others. I love remembering things that we've been able to do together and experience together. But there's no substitute for sitting down and talking with her and having her talk to me. And, and that's the idea here is not just that we're hearing somebody else talking about God, but I want to hear God myself. I want to get right to God and sit down with the Lord and hear from the Lord, and we need to get the pure word of God. But that brings us then to the stipulation of the word. In verse number two, it says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. Now, when you read that verse and when you heard me read the verse, I don't know how you took it, but I used to always read the verse like this. All right. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word in terms of, oh, okay, you know what newborn babes are like? Newborn babies are like, they get hungry for the word, right? So just like newborn babies desire the sincere milk of the word. That's how I read these verses. But if you read the verse carefully, you'll notice that that's not what it says. Verse number two says this, as newborn babes, and you'll notice right after that, there's a comma. What he's saying is, Peter's writing to these newly saved uh, Christians, and he's saying, being newborn babes, all right? You guys have just gotten saved. You guys have just trusted the word of God. And it's not like you've been saved for decades and decades and have this long experience with the Lord. This is soon after um, uh, the Holy Spirit had come down, Pentecost, and there was persecution, and uh, many of them were driven away. And so Peter's writing, and he says, being newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word. What he's saying is, be hungry for God's word. What Peter is saying is he's giving a command to these believers. The command is be hungry for the Bible. Did you know that the Bible commands that we be hungry for his word? Now, sometimes when it comes to hunger, we think hunger is something that happens to us, right? 
You wake up and you happen to be hungry. Or maybe you had a meal and you thought, you know, that was enough, but then you got hungry, you know? We don't think of ourselves as forcing ourselves to be hungry, right? We think of hunger as something that happens to us. But this verse actually says, be hungry, desire the sincere milk of the word. Isn't that interesting? Now, notice that he did not say, read the Bible, study the Bible, meditate on the Bible, share the Bible, teach the Bible, memorize the Bible. Now, there are many other passages in Scripture that talk about these things, about preaching, about teaching, about getting into the Word, about meditating, and all of these things. But this command to newborn babes doesn't address those. It addresses something very fundamental. The fundamental command of be hungry for the Word. Because if you're hungry for the Word, you'll read the Word. If you're hungry for the word, you'll meditate upon the word. If you're hungry for the word, you'll memorize the word. If you're hungry for the word, you'll share the word and teach the word and preach the word. So that desire is foundational and basic. So basic, it almost feels like it doesn't need to be said because what baby doesn't get hungry, right? Every baby gets hungry and not just sometimes, but all the time, right? And that's, you know, one of the most common things that little kids ask for. What do they ask for? All the time. I'm hungry. Give me food. I want food. Can I have snacks? When's dinner? You know, kids that don't ask for food worry you, right? Kids that are not hungry. They're never hungry. Uh, Are you okay? Is there something wrong? So there's a command for us to be hungry for the Bible. But how? How do I be hungry? How do I make myself hungry if I'm not hungry? Well, it brings us to the nature and the sweetness of the word. Because the Bible is good spiritual food. It's not bland. It's not boring. It's delicious and tasty and rich. Some of it is sweet. Some of it is sour. Some of it is bitter. Some of it is savory. And yes, even some parts of the Bible are spicy and some of it is salty. But all of it is good. Jeremiah chapter 15 says, Thy words were found and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. You know what he's saying? Oh, the Bible is good. I love reading in the word and taking in the word. Psalms 19 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. In verse number 10, he says, More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Psalms 119 says, The law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. One of the reasons why God's people are not hungry for God's word is because they have filled themselves up with something other than the Word of God. 
Proverbs chapter 27, verse 7 says, The full soul loatheth on honeycomb. Even the most wonderful, sweet, desirous thing that you might eat becomes loathsome when you are full. You ever go to an all-you-can-eat buffet? And you eat, and you think, oh, this is good. And you eat, and you eat some more, and it's good. And you eat, and eat, and eat, until you're sick. And you think, this, I can't, this doesn't taste good anymore. I don't feel good, you know. I remember once uh, somebody took us out to one of these uh, Brazilian steakhouses, you know, where they have the meat, they come by, you know, and they ask you, hey, do you want this and that and that, you know, and it's like, oh, yeah, you know, this is great. You take a slice of the first one and, oh, this is great. And towards the end of it, you're like, oh, this tastes gross, you know, I'm so <laughs> sick, you know. But the food is the same. What happened? You got full. When you get full, good food doesn't taste the same anymore. You know, a lot of times what we do is we're not hungry for the Bible because we fill ourselves up with so many other things. So many other things in life. We have an endless supply of things that could fill up our eyes and our ears and our minds and our time. You could endlessly scroll on Instagram, on YouTube, on TikTok. You could go to Reddit. You could go to any of these other social sites, go to Twitter. An endless number of things to choose from. If you're on cable TV, you're on Netflix, you're on Disney Plus, you're on one of these other streaming sites. You can just go on the internet, you have your phone, you have your iPad, you have your, all of these things. An endless supply of things. You know what would be good for us? Turn off the TV, turn off your phone, turn off your iPad, put it all aside, sit down at a table, and just open up the Bible. Sometimes that'll be good for us. Not to think that, oh, I got to have 24 access all the time, you know, every day of the week, just always, you know, you got to be ready. There's, a, there's some times where we're like, you know what, it's meal time. We're going to tell the kids, put your toys away, put all of the other things away. We're going to sit down as a family and we're going to eat a meal together. But remember what the verse said here. The full soul loatheth in honeycomb, but the next part says, but to the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. When we are hungry for the Lord, we get hungry for his word, and every even bitter thing in the Bible, the things that are hard to take, we will eat and we will consume. And it will even seem sweet to us because we are hungry. How do we get hungry? It goes all the way back to, do you need God? Do you need him? Again, we all need him, but do we recognize that? Which brings us secondly to the staying in God's word. We read the verses earlier in John 15, verse number 5, where it says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. All right. So we read that verse earlier, but the verses continue. Verse number 6, If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. In verse number seven, there's something very interesting here. He says, if 
ye abide in me, and the next words say, and what? And I abide in you. Is that what he said? It's not what he said. That's the same thing, but that's not what he said. What he said was, if ye abide in me and my words abide, live, dwell in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. So what's the idea that Jesus is carrying across? That God's word would be in us and stay within us. The idea here, of course, in this passage and in other passages, is the idea of meditation. The idea of meditation. We might consider this the digestion of the word. Food that is consumed but not digested will not strengthen us. How can we be strengthened by the word? We must meditate upon the word. So today is Sunday morning, and I love the services that are here on Sunday morning. And it's good that I think that we meet on Sunday morning. I think it sends a good message that we begin the week by gathering together with God's people to worship God. Amen. I think that's great. And we hear from God's word from the pulpit. We talk with each other about the Lord. We pray for each other. We hear about each other's burdens. We feast on the word of God. It's a great thing. It's a wonderful thing. And as we listen to the words of God, and maybe you go to your classes and, and you discuss the things of God, and you discuss some passages or some principles and topics from the word of God, you feed spiritually this morning. And that's great. And that's wonderful. But spiritually speaking, how often do you need to eat? All right, I think the norm for physical eating is three meals a day, right? Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Now, some people have all sorts of different things, you know, some people have different ideas of eating smaller meals and more often, and so they'll eat more than three meals a day. They'll eat four, five, six meals a day. Uh, some people eat fewer than three meals a day. I actually don't eat typically three meals a day. Usually, I eat two meals a day. Uh, most days, I don't eat breakfast. I skip through breakfast and I go straight to lunch. I get lunch and then I get dinner. That's typically the meals that I eat. I've even heard about people that eat one meal a day. Uh, they, they say, I eat one meal a day, I eat it like at noon or whatever, and they just eat that one meal, and that's the only meal that they eat. And I think, wow, that's a little, you know, overboard maybe, but if it works for you, it works for you, okay? So I've heard people who eat like three meals a day, two meals a day, one meal a day. I've never heard somebody who says, I eat one meal a week. I've never heard anybody. I only eat on Sundays, okay? If you had somebody tell you that, you would think, that can't be healthy. <laughs> Are you sure you only eat on Sundays? You don't eat anything on Monday? Nope, nothing. Nothing. Nope, I just drink water, okay? What about Tuesday? You don't eat anything on Tuesday? Nope, no food, no snacks, nothing. Really? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? You don't eat anything? Nope, I don't eat anything. I only eat one meal a week. You would think, you can't possibly be healthy or strong, can you, right? Because you're not eating enough. Now, there's two solutions to that. The one is eat every day. Amen? All right? So that's why we talk about things like your devotions. 
What are your devotions? Your devotions are spiritual meals, food. Why should we get into the Bible? Because you need to be strengthened for the day. You get strengthened for the day by spiritual food from God's Word, the Bible. Amen. So if we're going to be strengthened for Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday, we need to eat every single day. We have a service in the middle of the week on Wednesdays. Why do we have a service in the middle of the week on Wednesdays? One of the reasons is so that we could come together and encourage each other throughout the week. You know, I have the privilege of working here at the church, and uh, so I'm able to study the Word, and I'm able to have conversations with people. Sometimes I meet with people in the middle of the week, and, and all of these different sorts of things. I get to get, get into the Bible and, and think about the ministry and the plans for the ministry and, and getting things ready for the services. Uh, but many of you go to work in secular places where your coworkers are lost, and, and there's cursing and uh, wickedness and all sorts of things, and it's, it's, it bombards you from all sides. And we want to give an opportunity in the middle of the week for believers to come and be refreshed so that they could come and know ah here is a place where i can know here are god's people we gather together and we encourage each other and we have good fellowship together one of the major reasons why we have a service on a wednesday but during that service we open up the bible so that we could hear from god's word and be strengthened for that day and and through the rest of the week so that's important. So it's important why we have like services on Sundays and on Wednesdays, why we encourage every believer, get into your Bible every single day. Uh, I'm now teaching the youth class right now. And in the youth class, we have these uh, binders and uh, there's these devotional sets for the whole year. And uh, for every single day of the year, there's a prompt, there's a, a question and a passage and, and a read the Bible verse, think about what does, uh, how does uh, this verse answer the question and then think about how it applies to your life. And so we just wanted to be an encouragement to the youth group and no matter what your plan is, whether you have a plan that you, um, you know, you read through the New Testament in a year, so you read maybe half a chapter or a chapter a day and that's how you read through the Bible. Maybe you have an app, a lot of people have an app where uh, there's different plants, you know, you focus in on a certain theme or a topic like the love of God. And, it, you know, you read through all of these different verses on the love of God. But whatever plan it is that you have, have a plan and get into your Bible every day. That'll, that'll strengthen you. But the real answer for this question of feeding every day in large part was mostly simply just meditation because you and i take it for granted that number one we all can read and you and i take it for granted that we can have the bible in our hands but for most of history there were huge groups of people that number one couldn't read and then also they didn't have a copy of the bible in their hands they wanted to uh, read the Bible or find the Bible, they would go to the temple, they would go to the synagogue, or they would go to the church. And uh, so what was God's plan? God's plan is deliberate meditation. All right, what is meditation? Meditation is focusing on God's word. You're replaying it in a way in your mind. And so you're thinking about, ah, oh, on this day I heard this verse. And I'm thinking about what does that verse mean and how does it apply to me? And you're putting your mind continually upon the word of God, focusing on it, 
maybe reading it, maybe you're remembering it, you're thinking about it, you're trying to figure out what does it mean, maybe you're thinking about, oh, there's some other verses that this verse reminds me of, and uh, maybe you go look them up, or you, you think about those verses, you ask how it applies. Psalms 119, 148 says, mine eyes prevent the night watches. He says, I stayed up late at night. Why? That I might meditate in thy word. Psalm 119.15, I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. Psalms 1.1, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Psalm 119, oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. You know how we can think about whether we are being healthy in our spiritual diet is do you meditate upon the word of God or does it just go in one ear out the other? Does it get consumed on Sunday and then forgotten on Monday? Uh, that's important. And so for us as believers, we must uh, consume the word. Reading is good. But how many of us have read something and then immediately forgotten it? I'll have to be honest. I, I, that's happened to me many times. I'm reading the Bible, but just to be honest, I'm thinking about other things. And then my mind comes back to the Bible and I'm like, wait, what did I just read? <laughs> I have to go back and I have to reread it again. You know, sometimes, you know, uh, when we read things, we're not always thinking about what it is that we're reading. Uh, I remember when I was in school and, uh, you know, the teacher would ask, you know, can you read this passage out of this book or from the textbook or something, you know, and you're getting up there and you just don't want to make a mistake, right? You don't want to make a mistake in front of all your classmates. And so you're reading and you're just trying to make sure. And then the teacher asks you, okay, so what does that mean? And you're thinking, I, what does it mean? I wasn't thinking about what it was reading. I just, you know, and you got to go read it again. And sometimes we can have that mentality of we've read it, but I didn't really absorb it not really thinking about it. It's not really a part of my thinking. And that's important because when you meditate upon the word, it becomes a part of you and it becomes a part of your thinking because that's pretty literally what food does. The food that you consume becomes a part of you, right? The calcium that you intake becomes a part of your bones. And the protein that you eat in that delicious steak becomes a part of your muscles. And the iron that you intake becomes a part of your blood. And the water that you intake becomes a part of every cell of your body. You've heard the phrase, you are what you eat, right? Pretty literally, you are what you eat because you eat it and it becomes a part of you. But spiritually, we are what we eat as well. Too little of the milk and meat of God's word leads to malnourished and emaciated Christians, children of God. And so how do we get healthy, have a consistent meal plan, and then deliberately meditate on God's word consistently? Don't just come and hear the preaching of the word of God and then forget about it. Don't just read your Bible in the morning and then close your book, check off the day, and then move on. Think about a verse. You know what? Here's a verse that God spoke to me, and you think about that verse. Some people even have the habit of writing the verse down, like on a card or something, and they carry it with them. But have something that will help you to think about the Bible all the day long. Meditate upon the Word of God day and 
night. So if we will be healthy, we got to check our diet, all right? Are you hungry for the Word of God, seeking the Word of God, getting the Word of God, meditating upon the Word of God, thinking according to the Word of God? But then there's another aspect. Thirdly, we see the surrender to God's Word. There are some that have a regular diet of God's Word, but still are lacking in spiritual health. They know the Bible, they know the Word of God, and they know all the stories. They know about David and Goliath. They know about Daniel and the lion's den. They know about Peter walking on the water. If you were to bring up any random story from the Bible, they say, oh yeah, I remember that story. I know about that story. Oh yeah, I know who that king was. Oh yeah, I know what happened to Israel. Oh, I know what happened to the church. I know, I know about uh, these people, Paul and Timothy and Titus. I know about these churches and you know, Galatia and Thessalonica. And I, I know all the books of the Bible. I have them all memorized. I could go through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and you know, I could do all of that. And I know about Moses. I know about Abraham. I, I know the Ten Commandments. I know all sorts of things about the Bible. They know all the things of the Bible, and yet they are spiritually still unhealthy. They are weak, and to be quite honest, they are unspiritual. It's puzzling, isn't it? How could somebody know so much of the Bible and yet still be so weak? It doesn't seem to make sense. Hebrews chapter 5 addresses this in a way. Verse number 11 says, Of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. Oh, we have so much we would love to tell you, but we can't say it yet. For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, Ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. So the author of Hebrews is saying, oh, okay, all right, I'd love to give you this wonderful steak dinner, but you can't digest it yet. Uh, we had this incident in our family when... Um, my wife and I decided that we wanted to have steak for dinner. And so we went to the store and we got T-bone steaks. And we came home and we cooked it and we had our two little kids. Uh, this was years ago. And uh, so we, we were cutting up the steak and you know, you gotta cut it up real small for, for the little kids. And so we cut it up and uh, we gave it to our oldest. And uh, so she was eating it and we gave it to our younger child. And uh, she was not, she was chewing and 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 not able to <laughs> swallow it. <laughs> and so we were like, oh, maybe it's too difficult. But if you are familiar with the T-bone steak, there's two sides. The one side is the filet mignon side. It's the softer, easier side. Uh, and uh, so we we're like, well, let's give it to her and see. And so she ate it and she ate it. And she ate it and she ate it and she ate it. We're like, oh, she's eating it. She loves it. Great. She ate it and ate it and ate it. And after she was done, she threw it all up. <laughs> and we're like, oh, we wasted the steak on her, you know? And uh, some people chew and chew and chew, but they can't consume it. Okay. Now, why would that be? Here, the author says, there is a time when ye ought to be teachers. All right. How do we know that we're growing and strengthening when we are able to teach others also? 
All right? That's the goal of every believer. Every believer ought to have the goal, I want to teach somebody the Bible. Now, you don't have to be a pastor or preacher. You don't have to teach a life connection class. You don't have to teach the youth group or the kids class. But every one of us ought to grow to be able to be a teacher, to teach the Word of God. And we ought to because Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission says what? Go ye therefore and what? Teach. Teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. What? teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So the goal of the church is that we all be trained and grow to be able to teach, to teach others also. But how is it that some can seem to know so much and are yet not able to teach? All right. Or they seem so carnal. They seem so fleshly. They seem so uninterested in God. The passage continues. Verse number 13. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe, a baby, a child. So how is it that some can know so much about the Bible and yet not be healthy spiritually? Well, it's the surrender to the word of God. The Bible must not just sit in your head it must be lived with your life. The realization of God's word. The reason believers will lack maturity, especially in a context like ours, is not because they have not had enough of the Bible. It's because they have not used enough of the Bible. They have not applied it. They have not lived it. So they have not experienced it. To them, it is just a theory. It's just something that sits in your mind, but not something that you actually do. For a believer to be strengthened by God's word, he must not just read it or meditate upon it or even memorize it. He must do it. You want to be a strong Christian? You must do it. Not just hear about it. Not just learn about it. Not just memorize it. The Christian who does not do does not grow. He must obey. He must live. Without living it, it does not become real. Christians who know the Bible only in their heads but not in their lives will be continually unhealthy and emaciated. They will lack strength. They will lack maturity. I remember when I uh, moved away from home, and uh, when I first moved away from home, I had a bunch of stuff that I had and I left behind. One of those things was I had a workout bench and I had weights. And so I had these uh, weights and, uh, and so that's, you know, I used them. Uh, not as much as I should have probably, but I had them and I used them. And I moved away from home and I was like, there's no way that I can take all of these weights, you know. And so I, you know, I just left them all behind and so I moved on. And uh, so I'm trying to figure out what to do. I don't, I'm not really, a, I don't really like going to the gym, you know, but I wanted to do something. And so 
Um, so I, there's all these workout apps that you can download, right? You know, all these apps about you could do these exercises and exercises without weights, you know, you could do push-ups and all these different sorts of things. And I have all of these apps uh, that I downloaded, that I tried, that I looked at and, you know, learned a lot about, oh, I could do this exercise, I could do that. I didn't know that that was something that people did and all of that. And uh, you know what? Those apps did not benefit me that much. You know why? I never did it. <laughs> I never did it. I never did the exercise. I know what the exercise looks like. I know how you could do the exercise, but I never actually did it. Not doing it means I was not strengthened by it. As believers, we must do it. James chapter 2, verse 18 says, Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. He says, Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well, the devils also believe and tremble. But wilt, what, wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? You know what he's saying? The spiritual things that are not applied in our life, those things are dead things. They must be applied. They must be lived out. That faith was evidenced by works all throughout Hebrews 11. To give you an example of Abraham, in verse number 17, by faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. So you remember the story in the Old Testament. Abraham was told, sacrifice thy son, thine only son Isaac. And he went, and he went on a journey. And on the third day, he saw the place. He went up there. He offered his son Isaac, and God miraculously spared Isaac. Now, how could Abraham go up there and offer up Isaac as a sacrifice? He was literally going to sacrifice him because of his faith. Faith in what? The word of God. You know what God had told him? It says here, of whom it was said that in Isaac thy seed shall be called. All right, Isaac was not married. He didn't have any kids. But God said, in Isaac, you will have descendants. A great nation will come out of Isaac. And so he said, all right, here's the promise that God has, that Isaac will be the father of a great nation. On the other hand, God said to sacrifice his son, I must obey both of these things. How is that possible? His faith could only reason in what he says in verse number 19, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. You know why Abraham was able to do that? He said, well, I trust God's word that Isaac is going to be a great nation. He's also trusting in God that he said to offer up his son Isaac as a sacrifice. The only two things to be, how he could square those two things is, well, God must raise him up from the dead because that's the only way both of these things will work. That's how Abraham lived out his faith. In James chapter one, he says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own selves. Hearers only are not deceiving others, they're deceiving themselves. Verse 23, for if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. We might use the word mirror. So he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a mirror, looking at himself. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. All right. So the idea is that we hear it and we do it. Not just do it, 
but do it repeatedly, the routine of God's word. So the obedience of God that he is expecting from us is not something that we do once, but continually. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14 continues, But strong meat belongs to them who are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their exercise, uh, senses exercised to discern both good and evil. The word by reason of use means practice. It means regularly doing it again and again, repeatedly. You want to be strengthened by the word of God, you must routinely, repetitively apply it in your life. Which brings us then to these services, the reminders of God's word. Now, we've talked today about if you're going to be healthy, you need to have a good spiritual diet. Having a good spiritual diet is reading the Bible. Now, let's be honest here. Is there anybody here that did not know, oh, I'm supposed to read the Bible? I didn't know that. Every one of us would say, I knew that, right? I know I'm supposed to read the Bible. I have the Bible. I can read the Bible. I should read the Bible. Uh, maybe you do read the Bible. Maybe you don't read the Bible. But I think every one of us knows that we should read the Bible, right? We can all admit that. Now, that's not to say whether you do it or not, and sometimes you have good days, sometimes you have bad days, sometimes you know you struggle through things, but the point is that we all know it at least, all right? So when I'm telling you you should read your Bible, I'm not telling you anything new, right? What am I doing then? I'm just reminding you of something you already knew. You know, what we do in the services out of God's Word is often just reminders of things you already knew things you've already had before. How many of you have had the same meal like two days in a row? Yeah, we've all had meals two days in a row. Sometimes two meals in a row. Sometimes a week in a row, <laughs> you know? Uh, I remember when uh, my mom, she would make a Thanksgiving turkey, you know, for the whole family. And then what do you eat for every meal for like the next week? It's turkey and turkey and turkey and turkey and turkey and turkey, turkey sandwiches, turkey in your salad, turkey, you know, everything. You try to make turkey to everything, you know, you have turkey, 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 turkey. Now, you've had turkey before, but it's still going to do you good the next day, even though it's exactly the same turkey as the day before. Sometimes we just need to get a, a, a reminder Something we've had before, but something that will do us good again today. A reminder of, oh yeah, I need to go witnessing. I knew I needed to go witnessing, but it's a good spiritual meal to encourage me and strengthen me to again to go out witnessing. To read our Bibles and to learn. You know what? I know I need to forgive that brother or sister in Christ, but it's a good reminder. You know what? God forgave me of all of my sins. I could forgive him of what he did against me. I could forgive her for what she said. I could do that. We need these reminders in a regular spiritual diet strengthens us to do that which God has told us to do. And that's how we get spiritually strong. It begins with a hunger for God. That hunger drives us to his word. That word tells us what we ought to do, and the word strengthens us so that we might do that which we know we ought to do, 
and that's how you live a spiritually healthy life. So let's all wrap it up and ask you a simple question. Once again, how's your diet? How's your spiritual diet? Are you getting into the Bible, meditating upon the Bible, and applying the Word of God?